KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. Think the foundation for a fluent future in reading only takes place in elementary school? Not the case. In fact, somewhere between 70 and 80 percent of middle and high schoolers aren't at a reading level they should be. Not surprisingly, these figures get worse in historically marginalized populations and among people living in poverty. Imagine on a daily basis going to school and struggling and feeling like you can't be a part of the work and not really even being interested in what you're studying because it's just they're disenfranchised. I mean, they just don't care because they feel like they're not getting what they need. Laura Hansen is the NWEA Director of Academic Services. Her organization recently released a study that showed how new intervention methods can help prevent both students and teachers alike from falling too far behind. If you suffer in a reading or English class, it is going to influence every class that you have. It's a very big problem. I'm Matt Leon, and this week on KYW News Radio In-Depth, sponsored by your Delaware Valley Honda dealers, get a deal you'll like on a Honda you'll love. We're taking a two-part look at important factors affecting classrooms with representatives from NWEA. Today, the reading comprehension gap in middle school and beyond and how we can close it. When it comes to kids learning to read, and I know we're going to paint with a broad brush here to start, overall... Are we hitting marks we're supposed to be hitting? Are we woefully falling short? Where are we? Yeah, that's a great question. We're we're starting to see some progress, especially in the lower grades as teachers are understanding that the teaching of phonics is key to success. So that's good news. There are, there are still many kids in those grades struggling. But what we're seeing more often now is a recognition that with older students, they're coming to middle school and high school with huge gaps in their reading abilities. And I'm not talking about just comprehension. I'm talking about their ability to read. That is a trend that we're seeing over and over. People are starting to to recognize, for example, that the NAEP data since 92, so way back in the day, has indicated that We'll use eighth graders as an example. Eighth graders, approximately 70% of them were not at proficient or advanced. So only 30% of the nation was reading where they needed to be. And that has not changed over time. So what we're seeing is an, a renewed interest in, okay, we we've, we've seem to have figured out this elementary space. And we know it's not one size fits all, but we do know that phonics plays a key role there. What do we need to do in this middle school and high school space to close those gaps for students, to get them reading fluently so that then they have a chance to comprehend? And just to be clear, this is something, as you pointed out, that is has been a, a trend for a while. Did the pandemic accelerate this or make this a lot worse? Because you had two years there where virtual learning, I can tell you firsthand, a lot of teachers are doing the best they can, but 21 kids on a Zoom is not conducive to everybody getting where they need to be. The pandemic make this a lot worse or was it just kind of a part of this continuing disappointing puzzle? Well, NWA has done a study on that actually. And, you know, surprisingly, it didn't make it vastly worse. But what we're seeing is lower academic gains, slower academic gains during that time. So kids gained a little, which was shocking, but they didn't gain as much as they did during, you know, pre-pandemic times. So I wouldn't say that it, it made it worse. It certainly didn't make it, you know, better. So when we talk about these older 
kids that aren't where they need to be. And once again, it is not a one-size-fits-all situation. But give me kind of the, the top couple reasons why. What are the problems we're seeing? Is it some schools just don't have the the horses as far as teachers and funding to do what they need to do? Is it a short shortage of teachers and we're seeing a lot of kids in bigger classrooms and they can't get the attention they need? You know, what are some of the big reasons why you think we're seeing what we're seeing? So, you know, we actually asked teachers about that. I'm a former teacher and I can tell you, I didn't receive a whole lot of instruction pre-service about how to teach older kids to read. I learned a ton about how to teach elementary students to read. But once we moved past, you know, initial sounds and basic blends and digraphs and so forth, what's next? And that's what we really didn't get a lot of in pre-service. And so I, I'm not sure that we've been fair to middle school and high school teachers in expecting them to sort of step up to the plate and start hitting foundational skills as hard as they need to be hitting them because they really haven't received the the baseline knowledge there. Um, and they don't have time um, to, to dig in right now, right? Like there's so many other things going on in middle school and high school that we can't expect them to go back and get a master's in, you know, early reading or, you know, something. And it wouldn't even translate exactly right to the middle school, high school space that they're in. So, I think we can trace it back to what what we as teachers learned or didn't learn during pre-service training. What's happening, I guess, that so many of these kids are getting to this point where they're not proficient? Where are the cracks? What's what's happening here that we're seeing 70 percent of these eighth graders aren't where they should be? You know, you've been around education long enough to know that our pendulum swings quite dramatically every few years. When I started teaching 25 years ago, we were in a whole language environment and very little phonics. Everything was whole language. Then we saw the pendulum you know, start to shift, but it took a long time to shift. And so we stayed in that whole language spot for a long time. And what do you mean and by whole language? Explain for people that maybe aren't familiar. Sure. It was essentially not concentrating on the sounding out the words, but it was more about word recognition. It was about filling in the blanks using what you think would go into a into a sentence. So you might have the the horse was working on the farm. And when in phonics, you would say, you know, horse, huh, or s in silent E. In whole language, you you sort of guessed based on the picture or you know other clues around what that might be. So you might say the cow, and it worked, and so you just kept going. And so we lost a whole generation there of kids grounded in phonics, which was you know a real shame because now those kids are moving forward and they don't have those building blocks that they need to be able to capitalize on those foundational skills that were missed out on on whole language. And that's one of the big reasons you think why we are where we are. Are there other aspects that have helped get us in this predicament? Yeah, I, you know, that's I think that's the biggest reason is that we are in education often guilty of just shining a single light on something. And we shine it so brightly that other things get sort of shaded out. And I think we shined the light so long on 
on that whole language aspect that it it sort of obliterated anything else that that we could have been teaching kids in reading. You know, we focus a lot on comprehension, which is great. Like that makes a lot of sense. Comprehension and read alouds was a huge part of whole language. Teachers reading aloud and then asking the questions and, and verbally discussing with students. That's all great. But at some point, those kids have to be able to read that text independently. I would say another thing that probably contributes to our issue is for a long time, we fell into the trap of leveled texts in the classroom. And leveled texts are where you put students in a text at their reading level. So you give them some type of assessment and they might say this student is reading, you know, level B or level C. And you you put those kids in the level B or level C text, they might be fifth graders that should be much higher than that. But you put them there so that they're comfortable and that they can answer questions about that text. But the, the problem is it wasn't clear that those levels should be temporary and that at some point you have to expose students to text that is on grade level to increase their world knowledge and to increase their word knowledge. Too often, those homogenous groups became sort of a life sentence, and so kids were kept off a level. And so that has been really building the the problem with phonics as well. Talk about the ripple effects of having kids hit junior high, the early years of high school, and not being able to read where they should read, because you kind of talked about teachers in that space aren't necessarily equipped to handle the best way just because they're equipped to handle things, you know, that should be in 10th grade or 8th grade or whatever. If you're not reading where you're supposed to be, I just imagine it slows kind of everything down. Like you're not getting where you need to be, you know, kind of across the board, not just in an English class or or stuff like that. No, and it it just kind of, it hurts the student, but I would imagine it also hurts the class as a whole because the teacher can't bring the group where they want to bring the group. Yeah, 100%. You think about how reading is pervasive in every content area, right? Like in history, you're reading primary source documents, or you're reading opinion pieces, or you're even reading cartoons from back in the day to to study yellow journalism or what have you. Think about math. You've got word problems that you have to be able to read and navigate through biology, any of the sciences, Even work study programs, agriculture, like it all evolves around, revolves around reading. And if a student is not reading on grade level in a a literacy class, you can bring in lower texts or anchor texts that can then be used to scaffold them up to grade level. But imagine if you were a history teacher, are there primary source documents written at a third grade level on the American Revolution? No. I mean, it makes your job really challenging. You know, that being said, if you suffer in reading in in a reading or English class, it is going to influence every class that you have because it's not, you know, you think of those content specific teachers. Now they have not only the problem of not knowing how to teach foundational skills because they didn't get it in pre-service, but they don't even have the kinds of texts they can access to get the students the knowledge they need. It's it's a very big problem. Talk about the effect this has on a kid. This is also something you've got to look at from an emotional standpoint and a mental health standpoint with kids because I would imagine stuff like this can 
easily snowball to the point where maybe they just drop out of school and they figure that, well, I, I just I'm, I'm not supposed to be here anyway. Like it's critical from that standpoint now. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's crushing. Even as an adult, when we try something and we're not particularly good at it, you know, it, it, it makes you reflect on yourself, not particularly positively. But imagine on a daily basis going to school and struggling and, and feeling like you can't be a part of the work and not really even being interested in what you're studying because it's just, it's, they're disenfranchised. I mean, they just don't care because they feel like they're not getting what they need. They're not interested in what they're they're being preached at. So that whole motivation factor is is huge. And so one of the things that we've advocated for is some self-selection when possible in the classroom. Let kids be able to select the topics. I mean, I I get it. There's a curriculum and you you have to follow it. And that's great. But there are other ways to connect to that curriculum and and let kids say, oh, so let's say we're studying presidents or politics. And in the literacy classroom, they could read the Gettysburg Address. That's a tough speech. So they might not be interested in the Gettysburg Address because it's it's way up there. But they might be interested in learning about Lincoln was assassinated. They, you know, those kinds of things appeal to kids. They might be interested in learning about the various poems that have been written about Lincoln, or they might be interested in seeing that some of the laws that were on the books back then, we think are are no longer on the books. And you read these very odd laws that are still out there and are still racist, and they might want to dig for that kind of thing. So things that really connect to their world and their interests can get them motivated again. But even once they're motivated and they're self-selecting, if you can't get them fluent in reading, we're, we're going to lose the battle, right? Because eventually they're going to go on to upper grades. They're still going to have to be navigating the spaces of outside the, the English classroom. So social studies and, um, and sciences. And they're still facing those challenges because, again, those teachers don't know how to quite get to those kids that are off grade level. And then they either quit or they go into jobs that they're capable of much more, but they couldn't read to, to get them to where they, they really wanted to be. And it's, a, it's sort of a curse that we, we have to break the cycle by getting those kids fluent. We need to take a break on KYW News Radio In-Depth. We will continue our conversation with Laura Hansen in just a moment. But first, there's nothing quite like the Honda Accord Hybrid and the CRV Hybrid when it comes to exhilarating efficiency. With hybrid technology and thrilling capability, these vehicles deliver an electrifying performance on every drive. This new year, discover for yourself what truly makes these hybrids special. Redefine your driving experience with Honda. KBB.com best value brand of 2023 contact your local honda dealer today about the honda accord hybrid and the crv hybrid and now let's continue our conversation with laura hansen on kyw news radio in depth she is nwea's director of academic services how would you define reading fluency like is there what goes into it like what when you, if you're working with a child you know what would dictate whether you considered them, they were able to to enjoy reading fluency? There's three components. So one is accuracy. 
And that is simply, are they reading the words that are written on the page? The next is prosody, which is reading with expression so that you can tell that they're they're getting the meaning, right? Like they know that a period means you pause. And then there's reading with speed. And we're not talking about speed reading. We're talking about reading with a speed that gets it in their head that they can really string together what the sentence is saying so that they can, again, start making meaning from those sentences. So it's prosody, speed, and accuracy. Give me some some other things that we can kind of do in school districts, in classrooms, one-on-one to, to help specifically these older students that aren't where they need to be, how we can get them to the finish line. So this is going to sound like a very simplistic answer, but um, there is research behind it. What Works Clearinghouse has, has made quite a few statements about the four things that work for older students. And then we, I was recently here at NWA, the principal investigator on a research study through Eridif and their Reading Reimagined program that studied just this issue. So this is research backed. It's not, you know, me saying this is what I think. This is firmly grounded in research. So what we, we need to do first is get kids at those grade levels to understand words can be chunked. If you see a multi-syllable word, it's, in, it's intimidating if you can't read. So knowing that there are things that are prefixes and suffixes, and they mean something, and they can be sounded out and chunked off of a bigger word. Knowing things about syllables, and that words can be divided into syllables, and every syllable has a vowel sound. Those types of things are key to getting kids to be able to navigate the space of multisyllabic words. On top of that, we've discovered that repeated reading that's a thing. The kids really benefit from repeated reading. And you can do this in a classroom with the curriculum that you're using. So repeated reading is simply first time read through the teacher models, the repeated reading. So she reads, we'll use the Gettysburg address since I mentioned that earlier. She reads that aloud. She may do that two or three times because it's pretty tough. And then the kids will do choral reading or echo reading where the teacher reads one sentence And then the kids echo it back. They have a copy of the speech in front of them. And then they can do paired reading. But that repeated reading of the same text over and over and highlighting those challenging words and discussing the meaning of those words and then breaking those words down, talking about what this prefix means, what this suffix means. How could we chunk the rest of this word? That is a strategy that has been proven very effective with, especially in the lower 50th percentile. Amazingly, kids that are in the upper 50th percentile, they've already gotten that in elementary school. And so this is really powerful with the lower 50th percentile students. We also saw that there's something called uh, Juicy Sentences by Dr. Lily Wong Fillmore. And Juicy Sentences is where you take one really juicy sentence, um, which is kind of a longer, more complex sentence that ties closely to the central idea of a passage. And you dissect that to the uh, literally every word. So why did the author use for score? What does that mean? And you go through the entire sentence and then you ask kids, why did the author include this sentence? How could it connect to his main message? And you don't do that with every sentence, but you do it with the key sentence in a text that really helps them drive home meaning. And what's fascinating about this is when I trained teachers for the Reading Reimagined program, they told me, why did we never get this 
in our pre-service training. Like you trained us in an hour. We learned more about teaching reading to middle school readers in an hour than we learned in our entire pre-service or master's program. And it literally took an hour to train them on repeated reading, morphology, syllabication, quick fix. And if we could get the word out there about how easy it is to get those strategies in place, we could win this battle. To the point about that, just why do you think that is that that this isn't focused on in that the pre-training and masters? Is it a situation where people are preparing them for the world they they want it to be rather than the world that it is? If I'm making sense, like these kids should already be ready for this. So you need to worry about X, Y and Z and not, you know, PQR. Yeah, yeah, I think that's exactly it. And, you know, universities, while they're they're keen on research, I don't think that they're as in touch with the, the classroom as they could be. And so they don't see what happens to a student who struggles in middle school at reading. And so they've had their education programs designed for many years. My goddaughter just graduated from the same university I graduated from, and she has the same course list that I had, you know, 30 years ago. And it, it just it takes a long time to change to 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 steer the ship. Right. And I think that they're they're just not getting the news as much as they need to, even though it's all over Nate, all, all over state results. You know, there's so much emphasis on state testing results where students are not doing well on comprehension. I think that people lose track of, oh, comprehension is very closely tied to fluency. Of course, the kids aren't comprehending those texts. They can't read them. But state tests aren't designed to tell you if a kid can read. They're designed to tell you if they can comprehend. And so, you know, you get inundated by all this evidence. And I think universities have to select what the priority is going to be. And they just haven't gotten around to thinking about this as a priority. And you mentioned research. Is there a way people can find the research, dig into it? Maybe teachers can glean some some info from it. Is it easily accessible? The actual full report is on our NWA website. So NWA.org under our resource center. So it's the Reading Reimagined Research Report. And then we also have the tool that is free posted on the website too. So they can search Reading Reimagined Protocol. And they'll be able to find and link to that completely free. And it's self-explanatory. You don't have to be a reading professional to understand how to use this. And teachers, parents can use it at home. Very easy. And again, you can use it with your curriculum and it's flexible. So we encourage people to to tap into it because it's every, every kid that experiences that protocol is taking a step in the right direction. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.